Welcome to Build a Drone Reviewer Podcast, Episode 5. Romeo Dersher, DJI Director of Public Safety Integration. Got that coming up next. On Tuesday night, Rotor Talk Live on March the 5th, I was privileged to have Romeo Dersher on, DJI's Director of Public Safety Integration. Romeo is well known in enterprise circles as the search and rescue expert. In fact, he has actually written and done a case study on search and rescue, and he's been involved with several search and rescues himself. He's also been involved with the United Nations Project in the Maldives, and also he was flying in a cave in Vietnam, and that was uplinked through Good Morning America. So without any further ado, we're going to listen to the entire interview. So let's go ahead and play that right now. Like I said, uh, th this is just going to be just a, a, a great show. We're really looking forward to getting to know um, about Romeo and, and the fantastic work that he does with DJI. So without any further ado, I'm going to introduce Romeo. Romeo, welcome to the show tonight. Well, Bill, thank you so much for having me and hello, everyone. Thanks for, for tuning in. Uh, I'm looking forward to you know, having a chat and talking a little bit about what are we doing with drones in public safety? Romeo, you know, before you were with DJI, um, tell us about, tell us about your background, what you did before you came to DJI. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, you, you may have detected an accent. So I was born and raised in Switzerland, but, uh, I moved over to the United States in 97 because I wanted to work on a space mission. That was like my, my childhood uh, dream to work on a space mission. And there's not much happening of that in Switzerland. You know, Switzerland does watches and chocolate and, and does some banking stuff. But space is not really a, an area where Switzerland is thriving. And so I came over to the United States and uh, I had to work my way into all of it. But uh, you may be able to see here in the background uh, some of my space memorabilia. Um, I ended up spending almost 13 years uh, doing a couple of different things uh, on, on various different uh, space missions. Main focus was the NASA Solar Dynamics Observatory, which is a spacecraft now, a satellite that is observing the sun and taking high resolution images of the sun in different wavelengths. So we can see different layers of the sun and different temperatures. And uh, technology has always been something that, that fascinated me. And of course, uh, living here in Silicon Valley, uh, you gotta be in tune with technology. So even during my time um, at, at NASA, I was already looking for other technologies and started playing around uh, with, with drones. That was uh, about 10 years ago. And so uh, one thing led to the other. Well, you know, and, and that was my, uh, that, that's a perfect segue to my next question. Um, how did the opportunity at DJI come about? Yeah, so uh, my best friend, uh, Mark Johnson, um, he has a company, Visual uh, Loss, and they do forensic animation. And back in the days, you know, 10 plus years ago, they had to go and rent a helicopter or get uh, satellite imagery of you know an area so that they could recreate an accident scene, train derailment, you know, uh, airplane crashes, you name it. And now suddenly this this new technology emerged, and and we're talking about you know pre Phantom One days, um, even at the time when DJI was not really a heavy hitter in this industry, and we realized that, hey, if we put a camera on one, on one of these platforms, you know, we can go and get imagery from, you know, an area that we need to do uh, investigation on much, much simpler, easier and faster. And so that kind of started our involvement in drones. And uh, we started then also to utilize some of the DJI technology back in the days. It was the, the S800 um, series and and the flame wheel and then suddenly the, the phantom was released and we did some heavy testing on the phantom side and we started to make uh, relationships with DJI uh, and and so we got more involved in, in talking with you know teams over uh, at, at the DJI offices 
And at the time, you know, it was really nothing like it is today. And DJI was a much, much smaller company as well. And so just by making all the relationships and, and showing the interest and learning about the technology and coming up with use cases, I kind of got myself more and more involved into all of it. You know, that, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. And one of the things, um, you know, because I've been following you for some time and I see you're probably out of the office more than you're in the office. How, how, how much, how, how does that work for you? I mean, are you, uh, how many days are you in the office? How many days are you out in the field? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. You know, in the, in the beginning, when, when I decided, okay, uh, let me focus on public safety because public safety I knew would be an area where you could immediately benefit from that live view. And so I had to spend a lot of time out in the field learning about public safety, learning about the needs of fire department, search and rescue, law enforcement, and really get an understanding of the ecosystem. And once I had a much better idea of what it is that, that they need, then of course I had to spend time with our teams uh, on, on developing solutions. And, you know, my job is, is not really sitting behind the desk, although that's, you know, sometimes needed as well. It's really to be out there. Uh, I, I need to be working with these individuals, with these departments to get a better understanding of how the technology is currently being used. What are the challenges and, and what could the future look like and take those lessons learned, bring them back internally to DJI for us to create some solutions, but to also go out into the ecosystem and find other third-party uh, solution providers that can contribute to the, to the grander things. Because uh, for public safety, just having a drone, that just starts everything. There's so much more that has to happen, the integration into their operation, uh, live streaming, data management, you name it. It's, it's a much, much larger and more complex uh, issue than than what it looks like from the outside. So uh, being out there is really a big advantage of, uh, of of DJI to have that that direct link into one of the verticals. And uh, we're trying to establish something similar on other verticals too, because you know we started off being the the manufacturer for these fantastic consumer drones that provided you as the operator with the ability to create art. And, and now we're trying to really provide technology that can change the way we are doing jobs. And so for that, we really have to be out there learning and taking that knowledge and, and developing solution towards. Well, you know, one of the things you, I know you must be really excited about the Mavic 2 Enterprise series, you know, especially with the dual just coming out. Um, were, you, were you involved with, with helping to come up with solutions, you know, like the, the loudspeaker, the, the strobe light, the camera, and then, you know, obviously, you know, the, the dual with the, with the thermal imaging flare system. Were you involved with any of that? Yes, absolutely. That was, that was uh, kind of like uh, my baby. Um, because very early on, uh, we, we learned about what are some of the things that public safety would need. And obviously, you know, when, when you're an aerial photographer or videographer, you know, you operate mostly during daylight. And so you want to capture the best light, you want to capture, you know, the, the, the feeling of the sunrise or the sunset, whatever the case may be. But in public safety, this is a 24-7 operation. That means you have to operate in nighttime. That means you need to have a spotlight. And another thing that we realized very early on is the ability to establish communication is a huge uh, benefit. So if we can send a message to the person that we just located after having been lost for days, just to let that person know, hey, we have eyes on you, stay put, uh, help is on the way or if we can provide law enforcement with the ability to establish uh, communication with a suspect uh, we're providing technology that can help these situations and and so what we're learning in the field 
or taking back to our R&D teams or discussing some of the ways that we could potentially be integrated and then we validate it. Um, obviously, at the end of the day, it has to make sense. It has to be a solution that people need and will will buy because that's that's how the, the whole system grows. Uh, so we have to be smart about it. But the, the Mavic 2 Enterprise Series is a fantastic example of what you can do with a small platform because you have the flexibility of the accessories from the speaker to the spotlight to the beacon and you have the ability of utilizing either visible light or thermal uh, camera technology um, this is a tremendously powerful tool that public safety has been waiting for well, you know, the Mavic 2 dual packs and just incredible features um, in, in, in a Mavic sized drone with the, with, with the FLIR imaging system. Um, I briefly, I had about a week with it. One of the um, um, drone companies, Florida Drone Supply, who I'm hooked up with here, um, they let me borrow and test it for a week and, and it just blew me away, the capabilities of it. I mean, I didn't even really begin to scratch the surface of it. But one of the questions that, that came up that I had and a lot of my, my viewers have had is how close does that need to be a way to detect a person? Like how many feet? I mean, I, you know, I, I hear a lot of things. I know I know what FLIR said on it. I, I'm interested in your take on that, What um, what as far as that's concerned. Yeah, so we we have uh, last last March uh, we announced the uh, XT2 camera that that's the larger dual camera that goes on the Matrice 200 series. That is a much much larger sensor. is much much more powerful. So when we go from from a camera that's you know quite a good size to something that's super small on a really small platform, obviously you have difference in, in, in quality. So the, the Mavic 2 Enterprise definitely has a smaller sensor, definitely has some limitations and understanding those limitations is important. So I'll give you a good example. For example, let's say we're, we're out in a search and rescue operation. The, the Mavic 2 Enterprise, um, if, if you're flying at 400 feet, you may not pick up the heat signatures or have the definition to say this is a person versus an animal so that by that knowing that means okay i'm not going to fly at 400 feet on a search and rescue operation if you're able to fly at about 150 feet or lower then you have a much higher chance of utilizing the the sensor and getting data that can help you make either a find or a, or a discovery. And we've seen that uh, just, a, just a couple, three weeks ago here in Fremont, California, where Fremont Police Department used the Mavic 2 uh, Dual to look for a missing student who was deaf. And they were able to, to spot the individual at night in the cold, uh, sitting on the ground, uh, surrounded by bushes. So. If you know how to utilize the technology, then um, you get an amazing benefit out of it. Uh, if you're flying outside of those parameters, then it becomes a little bit more challenging. So while the, the, the Mavic 2 Enterprise Dual is a fantastic platform, it's, it's not the one platform for 100% of the missions. But it's the easy, quick-to-deploy platform that you can get in the air fast, that you can go into smaller areas, even indoors, and already get a lot of data. And maybe in the meantime, the team is preparing the, the Matrice 210 with maybe a, a Z30 zoom camera as well as the X-T2 camera, and use the larger sensors then for, for the search and rescue operation. Now, when we look at the, on the fire side, um, let's say we're trying to detect the hotspots or the location of a hotspot in a structure fire. The, the, the dual, the Mavic 2 Enterprise Dual is perfectly fine for that because you have such a high temperature difference um, that the sensor picks it up easily. So it really depends on what the mission profile is and understanding where the limitation of the technology is. 
you know, I had briefly had an opportunity to test the, you know, the loudspeaker, the the strobe and, and the searchlight, and it was incredible. I was I was very much blown away by the loudspeaker. I thought, oh, how can this how can this be loud? And I tested it, and it, my dog got shook up when I, when I tested it. Is DJI? And I know you may not be able to answer this question. Are we going to be able? Are we going to see more options for the um, Enterprise series? Well, we're we're definitely always trying to find additional needs and then find or create solutions to meet those needs. And if there is a real need for something, we'll we'll definitely look at it and see how can we provide an accessory or an attachment or an integrated solution that can meet that particular need. So that's the, that that's one of the things I really appreciate uh, about DJI. We have this incredible R&D workforce that can really quickly produce a solution. And so uh, this was a first for, for the drone industry to have a small drone that has dual camera and that has accessories. And when, when we announced it, I was, I was watching all the different drone forums online and it was very fascinating to see because a lot of people didn't understand the value of what was just released. And there were a lot of interesting comments being made that, oh, DJI must be running out of ideas. Um, when in reality, it was that we were just announcing a product that just had never been seen before in such a small factor that people had to get used to it. And so now that we're seeing the immediate benefit of it, I think people are getting it more that um, the, the small aircrafts are incredibly powerful that can be used for most of the missions at hand. And if you need more or better data, then, you know, you scale up to a larger platform. You know, that's, that's very interesting that you brought that up because, you know, one of the things that I really liked about it right away was looking at the price point for, for the dual. I mean, it enables um local a lot of your smaller um communities that don't have the budget say of like you know like where you live like in san jose or you know outlying rural areas you know to be able to afford a three thousand dollar drone versus a thirty thousand dollar drone like the matrice exactly you're absolutely right there is the the price factor and also you know when you start your drone program in public safety you know my recommendation always is start small you know, get a small platform or a few smaller platforms, get the experience, get some wins under your belt and share those those wins, you know, with city council, with your constituency and and then scale up. And so this was really the idea with this platform that this is kind of like your entry drone into thermal imagery, um, but still have it so that uh, you can do some very useful things with it. You know, and that kind of leads me into a, a, uh, my next question is, you know, I know you spend a lot of time with first responders and, you know, you've, you've written curriculum and have, have taught them. What is the number one thing that you try to get across to first responders who especially are probably new to drones or haven't had exposure to drones? Yeah, so... It's so interesting from, from having done the work here in the United States as well as in Europe, we have learned that there is no one integration model. So what works for one fire department, maybe the, the, the city right next to it may not be able to integrate it the same way. So it's very, it's very fluent. You have to find the best way to integrate the drone program. And then start small again you know that that was a big lesson learned too um, there have been departments that immediately started with big drones expensive drones but they didn't have the experience and the knowledge on how to best utilize the technology so it does take time to really establish a successful uh, drone program and then also the realization that not every incident uses a drone. That's also very important. Uh, just to, to put a drone up in the air for the sake of having it up there, that doesn't help. We, we need to see the, the, the real value of it. And then what we also realize is that we're not only using the drone during a particular incident, we can use the drone before an incident happens. So for like 
uh, inspection of levies, for example, or then post-incident for um, accident reconstruction or what we did up in the wildfires, mapping out the destruction um, so that that we have a, a whole view over over an incident scene. You know, w one of the things for me, as far as um, it, it, you sent today and a, a link to an article today that I'm going to put up on the screen here, if you can indulge me here for a second. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I think is just absolutely fantastic is um, DJI's uh, work around the world. And, you know, you, this um, article here, I'm going to get it up. There we go. Okay. Um, did uh, drones help search and rescue teams find victims faster? New study shows. Um, search and rescue teams found simulated victims faster when they use drones for help. A new study released today finds. The study concludes the drones offer enormous potential to help search and rescue efforts and rescue squads need to develop new standards, tactics, and protocols to take full advantage of the aerial's perspectives. I'm going to go ahead and I'll put drop a link in the, in the description, but um, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about that, this article, especially from the standpoint, you know, one of those numbers just really kind of jumps out, out at you. Um, 160 lives were saved around the world. Yeah, and that number now is over 200. Um, but see, here's, here's what we also learned. Um, at some point, especially when we start going into like public safety, for example, we really need to have evidence-based claims. Um, we can't just go in and say, hey, you know, this drone will help save lives. Well, where's the data that backs up that this is really the case? And what we saw in in the industry is that a lot of claims were being made drone saves money drone saves time drone saves lives but there were no real uh, there was no real data behind it so i started trying to change that um, by doing some some research studies with organizations that specialize in in, in those type of studies and we executed last summer a search and rescue trial study where we compared the impact of a drone-enabled search and rescue unit versus a traditional search and rescue unit without a drone. And we did 50 trial studies in, in Ireland and in Wales, and then compared the, the time to locate a victim with each other. And we did similar studies uh, two years prior uh, in in Italy on, on top of a mountain to, to test drones in, in mountainous environments and mountain search and rescue. And we had done another study uh, uh, in Ireland earlier. And now we have these data sets that we can compare. And what we're seeing is that as technology evolves, as software evolves and becomes more impactful, and as we as humans get a better understanding on how to use this technology, we're shortening the time it takes to locate an individual by the help of drone. But here's one thing that we learned that is even more helpful than that. That is, we don't always have to find the missing person with the drone. If we know where the person is not, then we can reallocate resources on the ground to other areas. So for example, uh, if, if the drone goes out and searches in, a, in an area that's dangerous or difficult for ground crews to get to, then we can save them potentially from, from harm, from having to go into that dangerous area, and we can re reallocate those resources to other areas. And that's, that's a very important learning that, that we've made um, because it, it changes the way we look at the drone. So it's not just here to find that person, but it's here to, to reallocate resources, to help us make better decisions, where to send ground teams versus where can we send drones so we get the best of both worlds out of it. And no, I know... Sorry. No, no, no. Um, I know you lead DJI's partnership with the European um, Emergency Number Association. 
Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because, uh, you know, th that's just absolutely fascinating. And um, are we hopeful of trying to get something like that over here in North America? Yes. Yeah, so ENA, the European Emergency Number Association, is in essence an, uh, an organization that that covers all the, the European EU member states to bring technology to enhance uh, first response, uh, to, to really help the, the everyday individual knowing that the best technology is being used in public safety. And this is now the, the, the fifth year that we are uh, doing this partnership. So I started very early on with the idea of let's utilize this network to start learning about public safety and to start testing technology in the fire service, in search and rescue. And, you know, about four years ago, the environment in Europe was much easier to do these kind of tests than it was here in the United States. That was pre-107. Um, and so we decided, let's, let's get ahead on uh, in Europe to really start figuring out how this technology is being utilized in public safety. And then 107 came along here in the US and we started doing some of the similar tests, tests here. And uh, it, it's been really successful. Um, There's so much that we're able to, to learn through ENA and, and they have now a, uh, an integrated drone program where they look for other solution providers in the drone space and bring them all in and, and have discussions and brainstorming sessions uh, so that more and more technologies can be integrated. And, and ultimately that helps public safety and that helps us because uh, if we are uh, if we are in distress, uh, we know that public safety has better technology. It means uh, that they can operate with less funds so they can potentially lower the expense to a city. Uh, it keeps the public safety officials more safe, which again has a financial impact on a city because they don't have to pay for you know injuries or, or even death. Um, so all these little things start to add up and make a big difference. And that's the exciting part. Question for you. Um, you know, the like, I'm going to kind of wrap up this segment. And we're going to get on to a next one here. But um, will we see anything, any exciting um, things as far as the Enterprise series is concerned in 2019? Well, we will be seeing lots of exciting thing, things from, from DJI. Of course, I can't go into too many details, but, but rest assured that uh, the team is working very hard on some uh, additional uh, solutions out there. And I think if, if we go back in time and look at what has been happening in the industry, we're also starting to see more focus on software because it's not just the hardware that, that is so impactful, but it's also the software behind it that makes it so much more uh, impactful, you know, from fleet management to live streaming to uh, stitching into orthomosaics. There are so many software components associated with, with drones today. And a lot of the, I mean, we're collecting so much data these days, not just by drone, by, by you know, um, body-worn cameras, helmet cameras, dashboard cameras. Um, this is a data-driven world, and if we can better utilize the data and 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 take the pieces out of it that are important, so we can make better decisions, I think that's the key uh, a key step forward. So we will be seeing a lot of a lot of uh, very cool things come out this year, uh, both on hardware and software. You know, I, I have to say this. Um, when my wife and I went, it was my first uh, event when we went to see the bigger picture in Brooklyn. And I have to say this, Romeo, DJI just welcomed us with open arms. It was it was a first rate um, production, if you will. It, it was it was absolutely incredible what they did. How and and I got a chance to I, I was able to meet quite a few folks. And it just, it was incredible. And, and it was incredible how all the guests were treated. And uh, just, you know, from being able to, you know, not only see the drones, but, you know, we got permission. And, I, you know, somebody had to pull some strings because, as you know, you can't fly really technically in the city of New York 
um, we were able to take those drones up for test flights behind where the where the event occurred um, over in Brooklyn, and it was just absolutely fascinating. And um, you know, I'm just I'm just very impressed with how um, DJI um, treated us that day. I'm really glad to hear that, and and we have an amazing team. Uh, honestly, you know, it's I couldn't do what I do without many other people from you know the events team the marketing team the sales team the r d teams it's it's really a, a big production and when we do these events you know we want to bring the technology to the customers and have them experience it and and make it a memorable event and and i think we're learning a lot in that how to do that even better in the future um, because at the end of the day, especially on the consumer side, it's about the experience. It's about, you know, what can you do with the technology? How do you interact with it? What do you get out of it? And, and that shapes your opinion on it. And so I'm really glad to hear that you had a good time. You know, one of the things, um, you know, we're going to kind of switch gears here and it really it kind of rears its ugly head. Unfortunately, it seems like about every week or so are these I'll call them quote unquote incidents. Um, the first thing that I wanted to ask you was, I'm sure you probably saw that um, study that was done by the University of Dayton where um, they had, I believe it may have been a Phantom 2 or Phantom 3 strike the wing of a um, Mooney aircraft. And, um, you know, I actually, I did a video on it. It's probably, I think I had the most comments I ever had on a video from that. But, you know, all that aside, one of the things that, I just found just it just kind of blew my mind was they said it was shot at the wing at 200 miles an hour and just you know somebody even with high school physics can tell you you know that drone's not going to be going at 200 miles an hour number one number two when you know uh, a private aircraft is up it's probably up two or three thousand feet and you know uh, chances are real good drones aren't going to be up there. So um, what was your take on that? Yeah, um, you know, the, the good thing is that we're, we're starting to see more and more research being done in all of this, not just what I was mentioning before on how to use the technology, but on also the impact technology can have. However, you know, when you do research, you, you do have to ensure that it's done properly and it's done in, in ways that are either already specified. In this case, um, it, it, there are test specifications that the FAA had released um, or then are done in a way that re reassemble reality. And uh, I think the main point really was that the crash was beyond the maximum, maximum speed these aircrafts would hit at. That's number one. And uh, way above the speed for a, a Mooney at that low altitude uh, where drones would usually fly. So um, you, you have to take this, this study with a grain of salt. And of course, uh, uh, it also mentioned how, how birds uh, have impact, uh, big impact as well. But there was never any footage shown of what, what the damage would look like from a bird. So... Um, while, while I do think it is important that we do these type of, of research studies, uh, we have to also do them in ways that, that are meaningful so that the results that we know what we're dealing with. Um, reality is that we have millions of drone flight hours on our platforms and we have no confirmed uh, data of fatalities due to drone and aircraft collisions. So uh, it's, it's, it's a very safe technology um, that, that is out there and we're trying to help not only educate customers and operators on, on how to properly use it, but we're also implementing solutions like geofencing so that our drones cannot operate in the vicinity of areas that are not supposed to be flying in. So. All these steps um, are helping to keep this industry as safe as it is. You know, one of the things that that I that I, I, I just it just you know every week we're seeing something about you know what just happened over in Dublin, Ireland, and you know um, Newark, New Jersey. There was an incident, and 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 over at London Gatwick. Um, you know, one of my questions for you is you know. 
the big thing is, um, is a, as you heard in the phrase in that movie, show me the money. Well, you know, show me the drone and, you know, almost none of these, there's no video evidence. There's no photographic evidence. What can we do to help combat this, um, spread of, you know, I hate to use the term false news or fake news, but you know, it's, it's almost like even fear mongering. How, how can, how can we, especially as like, um, hobbyists and professional 107 pilots co combat this? Well, exactly what we're doing here right now, Bill. I mean, we're talking about it. We're, we're in an open forum. We're discussing. Um, we're, we're, we're honestly giving our opinions and views and, and sharing that with each other. And that's part of education. So I think this is already a, a, a big step, what we're doing here. This, this, whole, um, this whole drone industry has 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 really bloomed and with with technology and and we have seen that throughout history something is invented for one purpose for a good purpose and then may be used also to hurt others uh, and so we're seeing now the the rise of drone detection and mitigation solutions and and even at, at, at DJI we we have solution like aeroscope where we detect our own drones and provide real-time information on where the drone is. And, uh, and, and, and that is extremely helpful. We used it, for example, during our wildfire deployments, not only to keep track of our own drones because we're flying in close proximity of each other, but also to make sure that uh, nobody without authorization is flying in, in the TFR, in the temporary flight restriction zone. Um, and so with more technology with more understanding with better discussions i think we as a society will overcome all of this uh, so i'm really happy to have these discussions and i know uh, our policy team with brandon schulman um, they're constantly out there in front of lawmakers uh, providing real information and real data and real solutions um, to, to what sometimes is perceived to be a much, much larger issue. I'm not saying there is no issue. Uh, we clearly have individuals that, for whatever reason, maybe they don't know it's not a good idea. Maybe they just want to be cool or take a cool photo of an airplane, uh, do things that they're not supposed to be doing. So uh, we will always have that. We will no, never get 100% compliance. But if we can reduce it to a minimum amount, I think, uh, we're doing a fantastic job, which is, in my opinion, evident by the the, the fact that we, we haven't had any large incidents. You know, I know um, from, you know, some information you sent me, you know, you've done some things going around the world. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with ABC Good Morning America over in Vietnam? <laughs> that was an amazing project, Bill. Um, uh, ABC Good Morning America had this segment of, you know, showing some of the most beautiful areas around the world from a different perspective. And we went to Son Dong, which is the world's largest cave system in the middle of central Vietnam. And uh, we spent a lot of time in the cave, not only flying the drones, but also figuring out technology. How can we get a live video stream from an Inspire 1 or a Phantom 3 and transmit it out of the cave to the satellite dish, then to the studio in New York so everybody can see it live. I mean, that's a, an amazing task to do. And we did it successfully and it was, it, it was just amazing to be in this beautiful cave that has its own weather pattern that in one area has a, a jungle inside the cave, um, just just the most spectacular place you can imagine. And the people were extremely proud to showcase their country, their beauty. And after the, the, the project, after we came out of the cave and went back to Hanoi, um, we were we were celebrated like heroes. And it, it, it was amazing. It was such a wonderful experience. And something that I think back quite quite often. You know, I'm a big fan of the hashtag drones for good, and uh, I know you are as well. And one of the other things that you sent me a link was um, a United Nations project in the M Maldives. Can can you tell us a little bit about about that experience? 
Yes. So it's you know coming from 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 my NASA background, um, I, I truly believe we are experiencing a global climate change, and uh, weather patterns are changing. And the Maldives, they have about thirteen hundred islands that are roughly you know four feet above sea level. So a rise in sea level directly impacts those islands. And so what what we went out there doing with the United Nations development uh, program was to to see how could drones help uh, not only on measuring the impact of climate change, but then also if there is an emergency, if, if there if there is flooding, how would the emergency services utilize the technology uh, in those environments? And it was it was very beautiful to go there. It's such a beautiful ecosystem. Um, but seeing these islands that are you know four feet above sea level and seeing all the homes and and hearing the stories of more and more floods are coming and destroying their their land their homes um, it is scary it is scary and and the forecast is that within the next you know thirty to fifty years the majority of those islands will be gone and uh, and so we're trying to help with with drone technology in mapping out those areas, creating digital map. Uh, some islands, most of the islands, they only had paper maps or hand drawn maps of. So by utilizing drones, by doing photo um, photogrammetry, we can create these these high resolution and very accurate uh, digital maps for emergency response operations and to compare the impact of climate change. Um, you know, one of the other things that I that I really wanted to ask you was, you know, I, I can imagine from from having followed you on Twitter for some time now, what what you know typical days are like. Um, you know, have you ever, um, you know, were were doing something and then right in the middle of it, um, just dropped what you were doing to go assist with like, um, you know, some first responders. You know, because I know there's been a lot of a lot of wildfires out in California. Have Have you done anything like that? Yes, yes. Uh, on, I've I've helped um, on three of the large wildfires from the the one in Santa Rosa, the Tops fire in October two thousand seventeen, to the Car fire in Redding in August eighteen, and then the the big campfire in in Paradise in November two thousand eighteen. We deployed um, with with sixteen public safety UAV teams. And uh, we assisted on a variety of different missions, including uh, mapping out the entire town of Paradise, 17,000 acres. Um, we, we did over 500 mapping flights. And then with help of drone deploy, we, we dumped all their data. We, we drove hard drives down to their offices, put it right on their servers. They did their magic. And, and within less than 48 hours, we had these high-resolution maps available for not only the public to see what, what their communities, what their homes look like, but for emergency personnel, uh, for insurances, for city planning. Um, so uh, tremendous, tremendous impact. Um, but then also on, on local events, um, when we had flooding here in, in, in the Bay Area or uh, when there is a, a search and rescue operation, I, I oftentimes get, get called out to assist and, and provide uh, my knowledge and and for us this is really helpful because we can we can see what works in the field what doesn't work where can we improve and and have you know first-hand experience in those operations I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot here for a second what's your favorite DJI commercial drone and why ah oh, that's a good question um, you know, one of my favorites still is the Inspire One uh, because it is a workhorse. And when the Inspire One was released in, in November 2014, um, it, it was something that we hadn't seen before. We had this really cool looking drone that was transforming in midair. It was very futuristic looking. Um, but at the same time, we also announced the SDK that we opened up our SDK to software developers so that they could write software and apps that work on our drones like drone deploy and pix4d and I think 
that combination changed the drone industry. So we also used the Inspire One in the cave. So I have a, I have a, 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 a very fond memory of, of this platform and I fly it quite frequently. But I also have to tell you, I love the, the Mavic Air and I love the, the Mavic 2 uh, with the Hasselblad one-inch sensor because I do a lot of aerial photography and, and that, that Hasselblad one-inch sensor is, is a beauty. So obviously you do keep up on um, DJI on the commercial side of things as well then. Absolutely, because uh, uh, a lot of the features that are on the co co consumer side can also be used in, on the enterprise side. So yes, it's, it's important to keep up on what's, what's happening in, in that field as well. You know, one of the things that everybody who's watched me for some time knows, one of, the, one of my phrases, and they, I don't know if people get tired of hearing or not, but DJI does not waste technology. Um, you know, what you've talked, you know, how you just talked about the Inspire, you know, things, it, it's, it's a trickle down effect. I mean, you, you end up seeing things like the Mavic 2 Pro after I got it and started to fly it, it, it just blew me away with the technology was in that, you know, I upgraded from a Mavic Pro to that. It just, you know, and, and I think that's one of the best things that DJI does is, you know, there's no such thing as, as wasted technology. They, they incorporate things that, you know, um, you know, we'll eventually see things, you know, from technology that they use, like in the Matrice series, will come down eventually into the consumer realm as, um, as well. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's fascinating to see all of this. I, I compare it to, you know, the capabilities of the iPhone. The original iPhone, you know, was a game changer, but we didn't really understand how big of a game changer. But then, you know, things started to really evolve. And, and now we have, we have a mini computer in our hands. And that's true for the drones as well. Um, it's, it's incredible to think the amount of computing power and sensors that are integrated on these small platforms and all the helpful features that they provide to us as operators, uh, it, it, the future will be a lot of fun. I can tell you that. Well, you know, I, I was going to say, you know, five years ago, um, you know, where we were in drones and where we are today is incredible. Where do you see um, DJI especially going in five years? I mean, is this, you know, we're, we're just every year it just blows me away with what they do, with what they come out with, with, with the technology. Where do you see, you know, not only DJI, but the drone industry in five years? Uh, you know, it's, I, I wish, I wish I would have known that five years ago already where we are today. Um, it's hard to predict, but one thing is clear. Um, drones are here to stay. And drones are not going to replace jobs. They're going to enhance jobs. They're going to change the way we do certain tasks. They're going to make jobs more safe and more effective. Um, but it also means we're creating more and more data. And so we need to keep up with the data. We need to find ways to, to get the important information out of the data, actionable data. So that opens up other opportunities for other industries so I, I really foresee this ecosystem to continue to grow. We will learn more about how we can integrate drone into more everyday uh, tasks from, you know, power line inspection, utility inspection to, you know, uh, bridge inspection and, and new sensors and more sensors, more accuracy. Um, and then everything boils back down to the data. So, on the hardware side, DJI will continue to be innovative to provide not only the consumers with, with more capabilities, but enterprise users with ways of using drones that today we're not even thinking about. And it will also provide opportunities for academia to do different kind of research, to educate and and inspire the next generation of innovators and engineers. Uh, so I think the entire ecosystem is extremely powerful. I'm going to put you on the spot as far as the consumer drones. You know, I asked you about, um, you know, you, you answered the Inspire One, but as far as consumer drones, I know you said the Mavic Air, the Mavic 2 Pro. What's your favorite DJI consumer drone and why? Well, it, it probably is the Mavic 2 
pro at this point because of you know the portability factor the the lens the sensor on the camera um you you, you can do some amazing things with it but it also is a is a drone that's super easy to fly um it, it has the sensors to help you it has the features in the app to do a lot of really cool things like panoramas it stitches it together autonomously you can do spheres so a lot of autonomous functionalities are built in into a very small platform at a at a very good cost well you know you know i have to say i can't thank you enough um for coming on tonight romeo you really gave us a real i wanted to try to cover a lot of topics in a short yeah. amount of time i think i i think i did pretty good with that you know you gave us a real good flavor for um you know what you do with dji for um you know public safety for um the efforts using the mavic 2 enterprise series also with um your partnership with um the agency over in Europe and, you know, hopefully trying to get something like this started here in North America as well. And, and, and also plugged in with, with DJI in terms of being able to, you know, help them come up with solutions that will benefit all of us. As you said, you know, um, you know those numbers are going up with lives that have been saved by drones and, you know, you know, one more day for somebody on this earth is priceless. And, you know, drones have given that, um, you know, to over 200 people, as you said. So I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, uh, I would absolutely love to have you on again sometime in the future. Uh, hopefully you're, you're open to that. Absolutely. No, thank you for having me, Bill. And, and thanks to everyone who, who joined us tonight. Um, if they have any questions, I'm sure you have a way of, of facilitating, but, um, you know, I try to be as accessible as possible because I, I not only believe in this technology, um, I'm passionate about it. And if, if there are questions, if people do wanna you know, talk further about it or, or need more information, uh, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, even though I'm, I'm on travel a lot, I always try to maintain that, that you know, openness so that we can have these type of conversations. I could not have been more thrilled to have Romeo on. In fact, that was of all my uh, Tuesday Night Rotor Talk Live episodes, that was the most watched at the time during the live broadcast and also had the highest number of views of any Rotor Talk Live that I have done almost going over the past two years. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, it's a great day to fly. <laughs>